0: Welcome to the Parents at Work podcast, a podcast for parents who want to succeed at work while also raising children. My name is Lori Mahalik Levin. I'm a healthcare lawyer, founder of a program called Mindful Return that helps employers to retain their new parent top talent. And I'm a mama to two wonderful redheaded boys. I'm joined today by my co host and amazing husband, Jason Levin. Welcome, Jason.
1: Well, thank you, Lori. My name is Jason Levin, or as I like to say, I'm Lori Mahalik Levin's husband. I founded Ready, Set, Launch, LLC 10 years ago, where I help executives make career and retirement transitions, get the promotion, and grow their professional services practice.
0: So in this episode, we're picking up on our tradition of interviewing moms and dads in different industries and sectors. And this month, we are on a government relations and public affairs kick.
1: So first, we have Cliff Porter who is the Senior Vice President of Government Relations at the American Healthcare Association and the National Center for Assisted Living, which represents more than 14,000 for and not-for-profit nursing homes, assisted living residences, and facilities for the care of people with intellectual and developmental disabilities. Cliff is a native of Columbia, Maryland, and received his Bachelor of Science degree from the Medical College of Virginia, Virginia Commonwealth University in 1989, majoring in healthcare management. He has been married to Deborah for 31 years and has three children, Chanel 29, Christian 26, and Clifton 23. He has served in various leadership positions within his local church and has been actively involved in several professional and community organizations.
0: In addition to Cliff, also joining us today is Jeff McNichols. Jeff recently joined the Partnership for Public Service to lead their new Alliance for Congress initiative a new program committed to strengthening the institution of Congress to better serve the American public. Jeff's career in government affairs began in 2004 when he left the Navy to work as a congressional staffer. Subsequent opportunities took him to the Department of Defense and the Boston Consulting Group. Before joining the Alliance for Congress, he served as Director of Government Affairs for the National Commission on Military, National and Public Service. Jeff has been married for eight years and has two children who are ages five and three. Welcome, Cliff, and welcome, Jeff. We're so excited to have you both here today.
2: Thanks so much. Thank you very much.
0: Great. So we are spanning the whole spectrum of ages here with kids who are, you know, just in the just past toddler phase all the way through to hopefully launched in the world potentially phase. And i um, really excited to have both of your experiences uh, come out here. So let's start with you, Cliff. You are the experienced parent among us, even more so than Jason and I who sit in the middle with our eight and 10 year olds. Can you tell us a little bit about your working parent story, please?
3: Yeah, um, I appreciate it. And glad to be here with you guys today. You know, we, my wife and I met in college and uh, got married very soon after I graduated, about a week after I graduated, we got married. And about, I guess a year later, year and a half later or so, We were uh, growing our family, and our daughter was born. Uh, My wife at the time had her own career as well, and uh, we both were uh, hardworking, brand-new parents. Um, Ultimately, uh, the story changed a little bit when, around 1994 when my oldest son was born. And when Christian got here, we kind of had to do some math uh, to try to figure out how we were going to make the family work. And, uh, you know, daycare was pretty expensive and we sort of kind of put our heads together and made a decision that my wife would come home and, uh, raise the children full-time and it, it set us back a little, but net, we felt like the sacrifice was worthwhile. And essentially my wife, uh, from that point forward, uh, stayed home and more or less was the full-time parent to our three children and, uh, essentially, uh, you know, got them off to launch, uh. Uh, very successfully. So, you know, at the end of the day, you know, our, our parenting story was sort of two professional folks, and then uh, sort of me working outside of the home, and then Debbie working within the home, and then sort of trying to combine efforts. I always called her the quarterback. I was the running back. I'm an old football player, so uh, as the best way, she she would uh, <laughs> tell me which hole I needed to run through and uh, whatever uh, sort of thing she was observing with the kids, and I would do my best to try to be uh, the best support I could be. So it's been a great, um, great experience for us. They've all, you know, went to college, graduated from school and are working. And uh, now we're, uh, she's back doing her professional life again. And, and uh, I'm doing the same. Wow. Yeah.
0: Thanks for sharing and congratulations on getting past all those uh, life markers and touchdowns.
1: I, li- I like the uh, quarterback and running back uh, analogy. I-, I played tackle. And so uh, I understand uh, you got to you gotta hit your lanes and you got to hit them uh, really well. And so it's good to have someone uh, that's able to direct all that. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs>
0: Thanks, Cliff. Okay, over to you, Jeff. Can you tell us a little bit about your working parent story, which I'm sure is just as detailed, but perhaps a bit shorter in nature?
2: That's right. Yeah, it's a pleasure. My working parent life began at a much later point, not until around the 2000, I guess, married in 2013. So it's only been eight years at this point, but, uh, met my wife, Christine, while I was going to graduate school up in Boston. And we moved down here to the Washington DC area. After that, she followed me down here and promptly we went to work in the DC area, then got married and moved, uh, not far outside the city to, uh, the, the city of Annapolis. And that's where our, uh, I guess, parental career took off from that point. So our daughter, Isla, was born five years ago, and our son, Ethan, uh, now almost four in just a couple of weeks here soon. But it's been interesting kind of entering into that period of fatherhood at a later point. So I had already turned 40, and it's been an interesting experience, You know, both ups and downs in terms of kind of that later dad period or or starting parenthood at a later age. Certainly get tired a lot faster, but I'd like to think that I the experience kind of helps offset some of that, um, that physical weakness that kind of goes with being an older dad. But it's been an absolute pleasure. Um, I've truly enjoyed getting to know my kids as they've gotten older. I'd, we've now reached that point where their personalities are shining through, and it's just been a real pleasure to get to know them as little human beings. And so couldn't imagine a, a better life now with uh, a good, stable career, living in a place like Annapolis, where we truly enjoy it, and then two kids just really adding to life.
0: That's wonderful. Thank you, Jeff. I think I was maybe 31 when we had our oldest, and I remember even at that age of 31 thinking, oh my gosh, this is why people are meant to do it when they're 18. Like,
1: I'm too tired.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It made a lot more sense, you know, uh, biologically speaking. No, I really appreciate your reflections. And, you know, you said you have a more stable career now than, you know, when you were younger. And I'm curious to know what you think it's like to be a parent in the government relations space these days. And we'll start with you, Jeff, and then go back to you, Cliff.
2: Yeah, I think like, like so many folks in the government relations space, I started off in some form of government service. And I'm kind of unique in that I, I've been in just about every stint you can possibly have as a federal civil servant, as a military officer, as a political appointee and a congressional staffer. And it was, frankly, it was good to get those experiences out of the way when I was younger, because I think that's what, um, you know, some of the most difficult career aspects that I I faced were when I was younger working in in jobs that demanded so much uh, in terms of government service. My life as a young congressional staffer, frankly, would have been far more difficult if I had had kids. And so I'm thankful to have had those experiences at an early age, carry those experiences forward into my government affairs career now, and arrived at a point where my work-life balance is, is much friendlier and much more stable. And so I think having those government that government service at an earlier age um, has been beneficial in many ways, but particularly in the work-life balance that I now find myself with a family and two small kids.
1: So for those that are probably going to be listening in that are not in the D.C. area, Jeff, why don't you give a little wind to what it's like to be a congressional staffer?
2: Life as a congressional staffer is intense. So it used to be back when I was on the Hill in in the late 2000s, the average stint was about two years. It's now gone down to about 18 months, and that's largely because of very low pay and very long working hours. We used to joke that it's a young person's game and... That remains largely true. Just so much is expected of a congressional staffer, so much is demanded in terms of time and the, the dedication to the job. There are certainly those who, who managed to carve out that niche you know, and managed to stay on the hill for, for long careers, and I certainly envy those people. But for those who are congressional staffers working directly in a personal office for a member of Congress, it is a very intense lifestyle, but one I certainly recommend to those who are looking for that kind of challenge.
0: Great. Cliff, over to you. What would you say that it's like to be a parent in the government relations industry?
3: Yeah, you know, it's interesting. I mean, everybody's story is different. And as I shared, you know, my parenting journey started, uh, I was 24 when my daughter was born. So I was a young man. And I, unlike a lot of government affairs uh, folks, started sort of in a different phase, same industry, but I actually worked in the business that I represent. So I was um, first 15 years of my career, I was actually in nursing home operations i ran a facility and facilities groups of them uh for that period of time so the demands uh that that as well as a young man's game that's for sure because it's um it's definitely uh you know a lot of time on your feet and a lot of getting around you know kind of inspecting what you expect kind of thing and make sure things are being done the way they need to be uh, so you know, it was interesting, at least during that time, that while it was a definitely a stressful, and intense job at the time, traveling much. So, you know, there wasn't overnight travel. You didn't have, you know, I was coming home at night. And so the opportunity, uh, while I may have been uh, physically exhausted, at least, uh, you know, I was usually greeted by my boys wanting to wrestle and, and all those kinds of things. So, you know, early in their lives, that was sort of the story. And then, you know, it sort of shifted you know, right around, I guess, uh, 2004-ish. And so at that time, my daughter, I guess, was in ninth grade and I had a sixth and a third grader. So in the government affairs side of the world, you know, my travel schedule began to pick up uh, relatively significantly. So I was away more. And that created, uh, I think, you know, some friction and some challenges that my wife and I really had to kind of work through because it was one unfamiliar And uh, two, uh, seemingly not that big of a deal when it started, but, you know, it does and did take its toll where we had to make some adjustments sort of to how I was uh, running the plays, if you will, Jason, uh, having to adjust my game a little bit to be more of a support. So I think, you know, at that time, you know, it was really about, you know, making sure that I was engaged, even though I may have been away. And it wasn't a long time at any given moment, but I would definitely be away overnight overnight often. And um, particularly as they got into those teenage years, it kind of became even more important that, uh, you know, I created some continuity and sort of adjusted the parenting uh, approach and style, you know, just based on sort of what the demands of that job were. So a little bit different, you know, as it relates to sort of the timing of how I transitioned in, and more importantly, sort of what kids needed at that moment in their lives.
0: Yeah, thanks for your honest reflections there. I'm curious if you would dig a little bit deeper Cliff into what some of those adjustments may have been and you said you know making changes that helped you to be engaged even though even while you were away I'm just wondering if you had any specific examples you could share of that because there are definitely people who listen to this podcast who have to grapple with work travel maybe again after COVID we'll see right you know, yeah Yeah. or not but I'm seeing it start to pick up even just in the circles of people I'm talking to. Um, so just wondering if you had any specific things that were helpful or that you managed to negotiate uh, between you and your wife?
3: Yeah, no, I think, I think it's a good question. And, and it was definitely uh, rocky, you know, right? Because, you know, particularly in the beginning, it's unfamiliar and you're just kind of go, go, go. And I'm kind of a go, go, go kind of person. So my wife's real good about, you know, kind of recentering me and reorienting me when she needs help. So, you know, we definitely ran against that. And, uh, you know, part of it was, okay, Cliff, you know, I know you're tired, but you gotta figure out how to manage your energy here because uh, you can't come home and just collapse. Because if you do that, <laughs> then <laughs> you're not, uh, you're here, but you're not here. So that that was that was an adjustment uh, that had to be made as it relates to sort of manage my energy a little bit. That may have meant while I'm on the road, making sure I get to bed. Right. So that when I get home, I'm I'm rested. And then I think, you know, some other points were really about adjusting my travel schedule. Right. So I had to be a little firmer with my employer to essentially say, okay, this is what's important to me. I can still get this done, but it's going to have to look this way. And thank goodness, you know, I had an employer that was reasonable. It's just a matter of me expressing that. So you know, kind of changing the travel to where I may get up, you know, at the crack of dawn and get on a flight to get out, you know, so maybe I'm out of the house before everybody wakes up. From, mm-hmm. you know, in some cases come back that night and, uh, you know, at least in that case I'm, I'm present, right? So that may have been a, a bit more stressful as it related to sort of how I did the travel schedule and taxing in a way, but it at least made me or put me in a position to be present you know, and to be available. Sometimes it might mean leaving a little later. So it's off to school, flying out a little bit later after they're in school, that gives us some morning time to be together, uh, flying home early. So, you know, there there are a variety of things that we tried to put in place and it, you know, it it never goes off flawlessly. Right. So there's always some tension and, you know, and, and my wife and I definitely had to work through it. But, you know, I think we ultimately, you know, figured it out the best we could, at least at the moment.
0: Yeah, I really appreciate your candor and think that that's great advice, not just for traveling, but just also for, you know, managing that relationship in general. I love how you said, you know, managing your energy, making sure you're getting to bed, adjusting your schedule and talking to your employer candidly about it. And I think we all have to do that regardless of whether you're on the road or not, right? Right.
3: Yeah, I was going to just add real quick. I mean, you know, I I had, I can recall a pretty difficult conversation I had to have with a boss once. And it was really about you know, I just got to a point where it was just I had to, you know, I had to really confront them about it. And it ended up working out, you know, and there are other situations, you know, anecdotally where particularly as, a, you know, teenagers get on the scene. You know, that's a whole different dynamic with teenage boys. You know, my, my wife would laugh. She says, you know, they need to hear some bass, a little bass tone around here on some issues. So, you know, that, again, is another uh, sort of technique. You know, I think it's important really to listen to each other as your parent, because, you know, as a mom, you can pick things up that sometimes we can't and vice versa. So it's just important to keep an open dialogue.
0: Yeah. Was there anything in particular that you thought helped that conversation with your boss to wind up in a good place?
3: Yeah, I think it's just about really being honest. I mean, the, the particular, you know, I think at the end of the day, most of the time, right, I think as professionals, we put probably unreasonable pressure on ourselves to where we want to just kind of work and not stand out. But, you know, it's just important to speak up. And I think, you know, once you get past that, that hesitation, you know, you you really are just in a position, because most of these folks that are in these leadership positions now that I'm in one, uh, you know, you've had kids, you understand. Uh, It's not, it's not, you know, anything. But if you don't ever bring it up, then you know i'm not going to come to you and say anything to you usually cuz i'm i'm busy doing my job so you know i think it's just a matter of really just kind of blowing away the myth and saying okay look i need to go and talk to this person and explain where i am and, and what's going on in my house and then just basically say okay here's my plan to still get it done
1: mm-hmm.
3: Uh, as it relates to the work side of this, but it's going to have to look a little different. And again, you know, nobody reasonable, at least, is going to make an issue of that usually. I'm sure there are exceptions out there, but usually the problem's us. It's just not us taking the initiative to communicate. And I think that's the most important thing you can do.
1: You know, Cliff, you had said something really interesting where you, know, you had gone through this evolution and negotiation with your employer as your kids were getting older, and now you're in a leadership position. How do you lead and manage your direct reports and your staff when they're becoming parents and what are those conversations like?
3: Yeah, no, that's a great question. And I I try to pride myself in being pretty sensitive to that, having been through it. You know, I do have have uh, employees that work with me that are uh, young parents. And, you know, I really just try to encourage them to focus on what's important and try to make sure that they understand that I get it and I encourage them to communicate clearly about needs and that needs change, uh, particularly as the kids get older. So, you know, I try to create an environment for them where the communication around those kind of issues is very easy. And, you know, at the end of the day, I just say to them, look, you know, we're all here to get a job done. And particularly in the world that we live in now where everything, you know, so many things are virtual and there's so much technology. There's so many ways to get work done, unlike it, you know, even when I was younger in in the 90s, uh, getting my career started, you know, it's just so much more flexibility. So I think it's just setting a tone and and letting folks know, you know, that I've been there and done that and obviously want to be supportive. And in doing so, it's, you know, I must say, you know, the folks, I'm really proud of the fact that at least in our department, we had the first employee parent leave and they went for a much for a great job opportunity, but they've been with us 10 years. And it's like the first time in in my duration of nine years in my job that I've lost anybody. And, you know, I lost her for good reason because she got a great opportunity. So I'd like to think that, you know, to some degree, creating that environment also cultivates sort of the longevity and the the stability that you want if people feel comfortable that their family life can be considered.
0: No doubt about it. Yeah, we hear all the time that, People's managers and how what their attitudes are around family makes or breaks somebody's experience with parental leave, with being able to stick around an organization, to be sure.
1: So let's uh, pivot to another question, and this one's for Jeff. So Jeff, you know, uh, at the place that you're at, what workplace supports did you find particularly helpful as you became a working parent?
2: It's interesting because having just now started with uh, with a nonprofit, I actually did so just recently in the midst of pandemic. And so onboarding was very different than for any other job that I've ever undertaken. I actually haven't been into the office a single time yet in my new job. I haven't met any of my colleagues or even any of those who work above me yet, which adds, you know, an interesting layer to to everything, you know, in terms of starting a new job. But what has been exceptionally helpful is uh, this far into the pandemic, the organization has gotten very good at onboarding, uh, making sure that everybody at home has the the support structure that they need, whether it's office supplies, you know, computer, whatever they need to get their job done, you know, and that certainly helps, you know, for those of us who are, are working parents, you know, that have all the other pressures that go along with, you know, starting a new job to not have to concern myself with, you know, those pieces of starting a new job has just been very helpful. You know, everything from, the new laptop arriving by FedEx, you know, all set and ready to go, and, and being able to just, you know, very easily start a, a new job has been very helpful. And it has also allowed me to still maintain the attention and, and so forth that my family requires. So that's been an interesting, you know, aspect of this job. And I think it's a change that organizations have been making, of course, you know, in terms of onboarding in the midst of a pandemic, but also just understanding what their employees need in order to get their job done. And I think as a working parent, most of those needs are very similar to others, but there are a few others that have been uh, helpful that they've been able to accommodate.
1: That's brilliant. Prior to the Partnership for Public Service in your prior role, did you receive any types of leave or other types of benefits that you found useful
2: when you became a new parent? So before this most recent job, I was actually in the federal government, which has been woefully behind the, the most, well, the pretty much the entire private sector in terms of support for parents. You know, parental leave, you know, is almost completely new to the, the federal workforce. And so the federal government is still playing catch up in large respects, you know, with most of those in the private industry. As a government relations professional, it's interesting to be. You know, to go from, you know, the government uh, that is so far behind, you know, into the private sector or into the nonprofit sector that embraces the ability of parents to work and, and provides a support structure, a much stronger support structure than the federal government does. And so it's interesting to, to, you know, work in both of those spaces to have seen the differences and to see how slowly that the federal government is adapting to those changes. And of course, they're paying the price significantly because so much talent is leaving the federal government as a result of that hesitation to adapt to what is largely you know, commonplace practices and support structures within the private sector. And so it's an area that the federal government, you know, needs to catch up if they're going to continue to bring in the talent that they need.
1: Yeah, it's a really good observation, Jeff. You know, Cliff, from your perspective, you started in the private sector before you went to government relations and you've no doubt seen an evolution in support uh, for working parents. Uh, what have your observations been over the years on what's been available to parents since you became a parent?
3: Yeah. Um, clarifying the question, you mean as far as what's available now or what was available then?
1: Both. Yeah. What What uh, you noticed uh, when you and your wife became parents the first time, the second time, and now? Yeah. You know, I think
3: you know. Obviously, for us, from a parenting perspective, you know, at this stage. And at the time we were parents, uh, young parents at least, there wasn't a tremendous amount of support available, you know, formally at all. I mean, and frankly, you know, parental leave and all these things that you have now just didn't exist, particularly for a dad during a pregnancy. I mean, you couldn't, you know, when a newborn was born, you didn't have the ability to take sick leave and, and be with your child. None of those things even existed. So, you know, there just wasn't a tremendous amount of support which I think in, in many ways probably precipitated, you know, our decision around uh, in some way, at least contributing to our decision relating to my wife coming home to help lead, lead um, the upbringing of our kids at that time. You know, I'm pleased to say at least now that, you know, clearly things have evolved significantly and I'm sure there's more work to be done, but obviously, um, you know, there's definitely a, a different spirit about, the whole parenting journey and a lot more support and understanding around you know flexibility and and providing the kinds of things that particularly young parents need. You know I'm I'm real excited to see uh, sort of how this parenting journey works now. I mean DC is a different kind of place when it comes to you know parenting. I mean you know some of uh, the folks who work with me you know there's a lot of nannies and and stay at home type caregivers and and a variety of different Caregiving relationships that work, and you sort of have to adapt again those um, sort of uh, allowances based on the individual employee's decision uh, situation, rather. So, you know, I think, you know, today we're a lot farther along than we were back in the 90s. And I think, you know, particularly with the the virtual world that we're in, it's probably getting friendlier and friendlier. I laugh now, you know, when you look at a lot of these virtual meetings and things. And today I was even in a meeting on a call and one of our contract lobbyists' son walked in and threw a ball at him, you know, and right as he's mid-speech, you know, you know, it's become kind of like comic relief. Right? So, <laughs> so, you know, and, and we all just enjoy it. It's something that's kind of pleasurable to see. It's like real life invading, you know, this stodgy professional existence that we have. So, in in many ways, I'm I'm hopeful that um, you know, this this virtual world that we is Going to continue to create a, a more friendly environment, particularly you know, in working and, and having a family.
0: That's awesome. And you know, your example of family showing up on the Zoom screen and the ball hitting the head really leads nicely into my next question, which is, if you can zoom out just a little bit, Cliff, we'll start with you, and then head over to you, Jeff. What changes do you think are happening in your field, in the government relations sphere, that are affecting working parents, even if they're not necessarily about working parents?
3: Wow, that's a great question. I, I, I'll say this, you know, I, I think I spoke about the advantages of sort of this virtual existence that we have. I think there are some distinct disadvantages. You know, I think that the boundaries as it relates to time are, you know, are, are non-existent now, right? So, you know, traditional work as it relates to, you know, sort of nine to five or nine to six or whatever you're, you know, time frame was, particularly pre-COVID, you kind of went into your office, you went on the Hill, you did your work, and then you came home. And then if you think about sort of the, what I call the invasion of technology in all of our lives, you know, I mean, <laughs> I laugh now about it, but, you know, like, you know, there was a, a good, you know, decade in my working career, I did not have access to all this information on a phone or you know, all these things that are now just so commonplace and you can't live without and, and survived. Right. So, you know, the, the fact that we have technology, whenever you have an advancement in technology, I think there is this this lurch that occurs into your personal life. And a lot of it is just a lack of discipline. Right. On our part, because it's really easy to pick up the phone and, and address an email or respond and, you know, clearly, if you have a supervisor or in my case where you have members, uh, so, you know, I'm, I'm with an association. So you're dealing with, you know, four different time zones. Right. you got folks that need an answer to something now and it might be three o'clock their time, but it's dinner time, your time. Uh, and, you, you know, you sort of have to manage all that. So, you know, I will say that I think, uh, you know, from the perspective of sort of where we are in the, in the virtual world, It has absolutely blurred the boundaries, again, as it relates to work. And thank God for me, at least, you know, again, I have grown children, so it doesn't necessarily impact them as much. But, you know, it does impact your relationship with your spouse, too. Something you got to kind of keep your eyeball on and and make sure that it's not an all-consuming kind of situation. So virtual is great from a flexibility perspective, but it is a blur of boundaries. And I think it's really important that you get some discipline to set those boundaries and make sure they're healthy.
0: So important. I love those reflections, Cliff. And let's not blame ourselves entirely because we are using the devices in the way that they were intended to be used, right? Which is to capture our attention at all times. I'm thinking of uh, some of Cal Newport's work around how addictive these technologies really are but really appreciate your reflections there. Jeff, over to you. Are there any changes that you think are happening in government relations that end up affecting working parents?
2: Yeah, I would just wish echo what, what Cliff had to say. This kind of merger of working life with real life you know, has definitely had an impact. And even on the government side, so much on my side of the government affairs space is spent in reaction to what Congress is doing. And I think there, there's been a dramatic shift in terms of how they approach their work days, which in turn impacts mine. It used to be that you would work long hours, but when the day was done, it was done until the next day. And I think, you know, with this blurring uh, in, caused in part by technology and just other expectations where your workday blurs you know quickly into the, the rest of your life. I'm seeing that impact have an impact on, on Capitol Hill in Congress you know, that workday is extending far beyond what it used to. And that, of course, carries over into the government affairs space as well. So I've, you know, started to see more emails coming from congressional staffers over the weekend, you know, and not just late in, uh, in the evening, but into the uh, nighttime as well. So that's been, I think, an unfortunate side effect of, of how that blurring of, of the workday into uh, the rest of our lives has, has had an impact on Capitol Hill within government and that has in in turn impacted what I do in the government affairs space.
0: Yeah, that's a really interesting observation because they're so symbiotic with one another, right? That whatever they do inevitably affects you and there's a domino that falls there. It topples on many, many other players down the road. Absolutely.
1: That's right. So final question for both of you, we'll start with Jeff. What's your number one best piece of advice for navigating life as a working parent? What's your favorite book? and your number one piece of technology? So I'll repeat the question. Number one, best piece of advice for navigating life as a working parent, number one book, and number one piece of technology?
2: Uh, I would say the best piece of advice is figure out how to organize yourself so that you can uh, leave the house. It seems to me that that's always been kind of our biggest obstacle as parents of young children is that you know simply getting past a threshold and out the door. And so my wife and I have have always you know, struggled to find that means of, of organizing ourselves so that we can take that stress off, that immediate stress of, of leaving the house. And it, it sounds kind of funny, but you always joke that as a, as a parent, you may need to leave in five minutes, but you'll get out the door in 15. And so That was simply one of the things that we've tried to do ourselves, is to get ourselves organized so that uh, we need to be somewhere at a reasonably reasonable time that we can actually get there.
0: Just to interrupt for a moment, Jason and I are cracking up over here because our boys are 8 and 10, and we literally still have trouble getting out of the house. And part of it is that school just restarted and they've been (laughs) home for 13 months, but literally this morning, Jason said we need to come up with a system so that you put your stuff together the night before so that we can actually get out on time. And well, this is 10 years into parenthood.
1: Yeah, our eight-year-old forgot us, couldn't find it socks that didn't, have, he was saying all the socks had holes in them. Not true.
0: <laughs> and then uh, you need the mask and then you needed a hat and then you need the snack and then we need the water bottle. And then it's just like, oh, my Lord. I,
1: I, I find the irony in Jeff's story because of Jeff's military background. And I would imagine that <laughs> Getting the troops out for you is a literal thing and a figurative thing.
2: That's right. You know, I'm I'm very used to being able to to at least control in my own personal world and then have two little intruders into that space, you know, completely uh, dismantle the schedule has been quite the education. So I will say that's my best piece of advice. But knowing that I certainly haven't achieved that bit of advice quite yet as far as books, I I shied away from parental books. I'm not sure exactly why. Part of me just, I guess, wanted the surprise of discovering a lot of this for myself. And so there's no real book that, that stands out for me as to that's been particularly helpful. But in terms of a piece of technology, I would just say a shared calendar of some kind that you can share with your spouse. I think, you know, for us with both having iPhones, that shared calendar between the two of us, has been extremely helpful and has helped kind of keep us up to date. I'm constantly asking questions of my wife and she's telling me, just look at the calendar. <laughs> uh, and so that's the best piece of technology that we've discovered up to this point. I'm, I'm hoping that it continues to, to get even better as time goes on.
0: Thanks, Jeff. You might not be surprised to hear that that is the most popular answer to that question on this podcast, <laughs> the shared calendar.
1: All right, Cliff, uh, same to you. Number one, best piece of advice for navigating life as a working parent, number one book and number one piece of technology.
3: Yeah, all good questions. Uh, I think uh, best piece of advice is, uh, you know, coordinate, coordinate, coordinate. You know, my wife and I, we, we look back now and we're sort of at the stage of life where, you know, we're very grateful that our children are grown and, and good people and, and successful. And, uh, my daughter's married now and, um, you know, it has got a dog and, <laughs> you know, we're, we're kind of watching their lives, you know, grow and, and them enter into young adulthood. But invariably, you know, you look back and you say the things that, you know, I would have done differently. As your children become adults, too, they become a little more open about, you know, maybe even some of the hurts they had, you know, uh, where you missed it maybe a little bit. And that's all good. I, I don't you know, it, it hurts you a little bit. Um, uh, when you have a candid conversation about something that you may have missed, it's never intentional, but I mean, we all have those stories. We have those stories with our own parents, right? It's not that we don't love them. It's not that they weren't great parents. It's just, you know, something that may have happened or occurred that, uh, you wish was different. So you start getting that kind of feedback, but I think, you know, overall, you know, and looking back, you know, it's just so, so important to coordinate. And I think, you know, Debbie and I did a pretty good job at that. And that's, you know, sort of her communicating to me what she needs from me and particularly if you have children boys and girls uh, particularly as parents you know there is absolutely a thing that you know as men we understand our boys (laughs) we we understand their energy we understand how they think frankly you know we think like that uh, still probably to some degree we just learn to control it in some way and vice versa. Uh, so, you know, there's definitely insights and you need to coordinate and understand, you know, what a girl may need from her dad, which may be a little bit different than what a, what a guy needs from his dad and vice versa with the mom and the boys and moms and the daughter. So I would just say coordinates a big deal. I'm currently reading a book called When the Day by Mark Batterson. It's a really good book, more or less about sort of just, you know, conquering what's in front of you successfully. So I'm enjoying that. I'm not quite done yet, but I highly recommend that book. And the last one was technology, right?
0: Yeah, Um, but Cliff, any like one particular takeaway that's helpful from the book?
3: Yeah, I think, oh gosh, there there are so many different little uh, snippets and tidbits. I think there's, you know, one component in the book that, um, you know, more or less, I'm I'm sitting here trying to think, there's so so much good stuff in it. I'm trying to think about What really stands out. I think, you know, we have to sort of focus on small victories. And that's a part of the thing in in the book that you that it really tries to gadget towards is, you know, there's an analogy in there called fly the kite. Uh, (laughs) And uh, essentially, it just sort of talks about how big things start uh, with really small and basic ideas. And it, it talks about you know, how a bridge was built and how this guy flew a kite across the ocean or whatever it was, or a river to build this bridge. And, and, uh, so, you know, it, it gets down to sort of this just again, small victories, sort of small, what you think are inconsequential approaches to things actually, you know, can build mammoth bridges in your life kind of thing. So, anyway, that's just one thing, but it's lots of good stuff and it's an easy read. So, I just encourage you to grab it.
0: That's a great um, read. And
3: then technology. Yeah, I mean, the shared calendar is good. You know, I, <laughs> I'll i just say what my wife would say to me. Write it down. So I'm, I'm getting back to just old technology. <laughs> Maybe it's not technology, it's just a pad and paper, right? Write it down, put it in your phone, do whatever you need to do to make sure that sort of those significant moments aren't missed. And that can be accomplished through a calendar, whatever the technology is that uh, uh, best works for you. But uh, we're in such a frenetic, world and and the pace is so fast. It's so easy to miss things. So, you know, these moments with our kids just go by so, so fast and you just don't want to miss them. So, uh, whatever you got to do that to flag these things for yourself, do them even if, uh, I don't know if you want to call it technology or not, but a sticky note is about as good a piece of technology as I've ever had and still works for me.
1: Cliff, you and I are kindred spirits. Um, pen and paper is still one of my favorite pieces of technology. And I uh, we talk about calendars. Uh, I do use online calendars, but I still keep a paper calendar. So.
0: And then Jason and I coordinate the paper calendar with my online calendar every Saturday night. So. <laughs> Indeed. Well, thank you both so much for being here today. This is a really fantastic conversation. Lots of really great insights. And uh, in terms of declaring small victories. I'll declare it a victory that four working parents got on a call at the same time and managed to make it happen on a weekday during COVID. Thank you both for being here. Thanks, Jeff. Thanks, Cliff.
2: Thank you, Cliff. Thank Thank you both. Enjoyed it. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure.
0: Great. Thanks so much, everybody, for joining the Parents at Work podcast. If you enjoyed this conversation, please share it with another parent who you think might find it helpful and head on over to wherever you watch your podcast and give us a quick review. Thanks again for joining. This is Lori Mahalik levin I
1: was joined by Jason Levin. And we'll talk to you next time.